passage we're going to be looking at this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, a somewhat familiar passage, I would guess, for those of us who've been in and around the church, and maybe even if you haven't been, um, story of Zacchaeus. So let's hear from God's Word now. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up to him, looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This ends the reading of God's Word. So you know how sometimes if you're wanting to get into like an exclusive nightclub or a restaurant, there'll be a line outside and there'll be a velvet, it has to be a velvet rope that marks you out from who can come in and who can't. Well, I had a couple of friends who were wanting to get into um, an exclusive nightclub in Miami probably about four or five years ago. And they were waiting outside in line. And there were several um, levels of vetting to basically see how cool, if you're good looking, if you're dressed right, all that stuff to get into the club and past the velvet rope. Now, one of my friends has a silver tongue. He was talking to the big bodyguard, or the, the bouncer, rather, who was guarding the velvet rope, who was guarding entrance to the club, and he was just convincing him the whole time they were out there, bro, you got to let us in. you got to let us in, man. This, is, this would be great for us. Uh, we're not going to cause trouble. Uh, he would go back and forth, and then finally as it got closer to them being uh, going into the place, my friend with the silver tongue also had a friend with him, uh, another pastor friend, um, and that final gatekeeper looked at him and said, no way. <laughs> you guys are not going in because my friend, the, the other pastor friend, was dressed in shorts and a long sleeve shirt. And he said, I'm not letting this scoutmaster go in looking like that. He looks like a UPS driver. Out. And so he bounced them. No entry to the party. They were excluded. Uh, they didn't fit. And they still talk about that story to this day. Well, there's a similar kind of phenomenon going on in our passage here in Luke chapter 19. There is a Jesus party happening in Jericho. And people are crowding around Jesus almost like a wall. And the people who are crowding around him are the people who get Jesus. Or at least they think they get Jesus. They are on board with his agenda. They are wanting a little bit of what he is about. They, are, they understand there's kind of a, I don't know if cool would be appropriate, but there's something about that. If, if they were going to be wearing t-shirts at this time, it would be Jesus is just all right with me. Yay, Yahweh. He, they, they had it all going on. They know who is on board, who's supposed to have access, 
and, and, and proximity to Jesus, and they know who isn't, who doesn't get past the velvet rope. And Zacchaeus doesn't fit. He doesn't make the mark. He is not welcome. Why? Why is Zacchaeus not given access to Jesus? Little Zacchaeus has so many strikes against him. First, and maybe most important, um, it's really more of a, a subtext here, but it stands out is that Zacchaeus was not actually religiously faithful. His name in Hebrew literally means righteous one. All right, So he's got a, a kind of religious background, but he apparently left it behind and in a big way. How do we know? Because of his job. He is a chief tax collector. That means he now works for the Roman Empire, collecting taxes for them. Rome, who were the oppressors and occupiers of God's holy land, His holy city, His holy people. And it says he was rich. He collected taxes from his countrymen to give to Rome. And anything over and extra that he collected, he got to keep for himself. And apparently, he kept a lot. He built his power and privilege on the backs of his brothers and sisters of Israel. And apparently he did a good job because the text emphasizes he was rich. So obviously if there was someone who should be excluded, Zacchaeus. Seems obvious that there was someone who probably wouldn't want a savior because he's got it together. It is Zacchaeus. And if there was someone who should be obstructed from Jesus by serious, quote-unquote, followers of the crowd, it was Zacchaeus. But for some reason, in spite of being well off, in spite of being connected with Rome, Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. He's on the fringe of the crowd. He's an outsider. He's kept out by the true followers, the ones who have access He's still looking in. And the only way that he can see and just get a glimpse of who Jesus is is to climb a tree, a sycamore tree, a fruit-bearing tree. And so he scampers up the tree. And Jesus sees him. And he locks on to Zacchaeus. And almost like a gospel fruit that he plucks, he calls to him by name and invites himself into Zacchaeus' home without any discussion, without any qualification or delay on the part of Zacchaeus, he just scampers right back down and receives Jesus with joy. Think about that. He doesn't ask him any questions. Well, I, I, I need to clean my place first, Jesus. I mean, it's a little bit of a mess. Or he doesn't give any, you know, boundary questions. How, how long are you staying? All right. Nothing like that. It just says he receives him with joy. Do you receive Jesus with joy when he calls to you this eagerly or is he kind of the guest who won't leave see a little bit of an embarrassment let's keep thinking about that as we go along because somewhere each of us is embedded in this text and God is holding up a mirror to us so let's reason together as God shines light on this passage for our lives and our situation where are you where is God shining that light well who's the crowd first of all the crowd is anyone who is huddled around Jesus, but is not cool with letting other 
other folks get close to Jesus. And so that can be us whenever we put ourselves above others in a religious or spiritual realm. Whenever we say things, at least in our heads, like, well, they won't care about, <clears throat> they won't care about religion or they don't care about Jesus. They're, they're too far gone down their path. Um, or even those who maybe you would say, and hopefully you'd never say this out loud, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad they're on the outside because they are such gross sinners. And maybe for you, we live in such a polarized time, you're like, they are so far to the right, they do not get what the gospel is about. Or they are such social justice warriors, they are missing what the gospel is about, and so you just write them off. Have you had thoughts like that? I have. Well, if this is you, what the call of this passage is, is to turn the other direction, to change your mind, or just to use a, a Bible word, to repent. Because the Christ you worship is a Jesus who scans the horizon to find folks. A Jesus who is faithful enough to believe that the Father is drawing all kinds of people who are on the fringe. Rich people, religiously compromised, secular. God is a seeking God. You see, Jesus' love and openness to others and I want to suggest this morning that that is the most radical revelation of who we understand God to be in Christ, his openness to others. That is to find continuation in us, his people. And it finds continuation in us by our actions and our attitudes towards others. Especially to those who are different from us, believe different than us, maybe order their lives differently than us. Jesus challenged us in John 14 to do the works that I do, stuff like what he's doing here in Luke 19. And then he says, can you imagine, do greater ones than these. How are we going to do that? Well, then he goes on to talk about the Holy Spirit. So how do we change if we find ourselves in the crowd? How do we repent? Seeking like we have been sought. Identifying with others who are outside of Christ or maybe just outside of the church. Looking for the Zacchaeuses. You see, Jesus loved us and stood with us before we did so with him. And so the call of this passage then, if we find ourselves in the crowd, is to love, to serve, to listen, and to invite. And not simply just a matter of inviting people to come to church, which is fine, which is great or even into our homes, but it's our willingness, in a sense, to put our feet underneath their table, to go to their places, to go to their lives, to honor and serve them. I think you all know, or at least have heard the name Chris Granberry mentioned in this congregation. He serves at Sacred Road in Yakima. Uh, and one of my favorite stories that Chris has said was, he was really, when he, he first moved here, and he moved to the Northwest about the same time I did, he was just trying to find some foothold. How can I minister and love in this community? Um, because the, 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 you know, the Yakima Nation there has just felt so betrayed by white people and white Christians. And uh, he would just kind of drive around and ask what he could do to help. And you know what gave Chris credibility? won't go into the details, but he was asked by multiple people, will you help get rid of wild dogs <laughs> that are on the reservation? Not like your nice Irish setter type, you know, toss the ear kind of dogs, but like wild dogs who were killing 
uh, pets and who were you know, just causing destruction. And so that's what Chris did. He got down with where they, he was needed, and that's how he got traction. One of the ways, one of the many ways. But he was able to do that. And you're able to do that too. But maybe you're not in the crowd this morning. Maybe you feel a little bit like Zacchaeus. I want you to hear this. Blessed are you who are on the fringes, for you shall be at the center of God's heart. You are who he seeks. Maybe you've been hurt or excluded by others. Maybe you've been hurt or excluded by other Christians. The writer Wendell Berry says it's better to throw yourself on the mercy and grace of Christ sometimes than on that of Christians. Boy, isn't that true? But hear this, this one who seeks you. Jesus will invite himself in. If you receive him, he brings change. And he will bring change such that you will find yourself doing and saying things that might not seem like the old you. Giving to the poor. Making amends with folks that you've hurt or sinned against. Maybe even reaching out to those who didn't exactly welcome you in in the first place. See, that comes from a healed heart. It comes from a joyful encounter with this seeking God. Not shame, not bare, raw duty. Why do you think Jesus locked on to Zacchaeus? Other than maybe it was just kind of this scene where this little guy had climbed up into a tree. Because Jesus' whole ministry was about breaking down walls. And one of the things that Jesus embodied in his ministry and calls on us to embody by the power of the Spirit is to recognize that all are welcome. That means no one is so bad that they can't be received and no one's so good that they don't need God's continuing grace and mercy. Jesus can welcome the least likely because he is the least likely Savior. He enters into our world, our experience, and sees himself as one who is both an outsider and fringe. And I think there was something to what Jesus saw in Zacchaeus, that there was a little bit of himself, actually, that he saw in Zacchaeus. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. That's exactly what happened to Zacchaeus. He was rich and became poor for our sakes. Yeah, Jesus was rich. There's Zacchaeus, the rich guy. Jesus is held at the center, but he's actually a fringe person. And he comes to stand with us, on the fringe, on the fringe of our doubts, our wanderings, our faithlessness, even our, our being scorned socially. And he does so ultimately to save us. The Nazi soldiers made their orders very clear. Jewish American prisoners of war were to be separated from their fellow brothers in arms and sent to an uncertain fate. But Master Sergeant Roddy Edmonds would have none of that. As the highest-ranking non-commissioned officer in the German POW camp, he ordered more than 1,000 American captives to step forward with him and brazenly pronounce, We are all Jews here. He would not waver, even with a pistol to his head, and his captors eventually backed down. 
Jesus enters into our world and identifies with us in our misery, in our predicament, and says, I am one of you. And even more so, and unlike Edmonds with the Jewish soldiers, Jesus identifies with us in our sin, our hardness, our narrowness, our being like the crowdness, and takes that on Himself and gives us His righteousness to cover our sin. He becomes poor that we might be rich. And our wealth, is our gracious seeking of others for Christ's sake. Let's pray and ask for his help. Lord, we do recognize that somehow, some way, we are found in this text and that just as you lasered in on Zacchaeus so many thousands of years ago, you zero in on us now. Somehow, some way, we are find ourselves in that story, needing grace, needing change, needing transformation, whether it's as a part of the crowd or being like Zacchaeus. And what you offer, you don't give in a stingy manner. You give with a full heart, with a warm embrace, and with the power to do what you call us to do by the Spirit. So would you... Help us to savor the grace which you have shown us in seeking us, in finding us, in giving us your righteousness, in taking away the debt of our sin, in giving us a power that we could not generate, either alone or together, that Holy Spirit who brings that transformation we are asking for now. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.